football, to me, more than any sport, things change so much from year to year. All these coaches are competitive. All these owners are competitive. We sometimes, I think, get insulated just being around the Ravens every day, not always seeing the big picture. But when you start being around other coaches and hear them talk, and then you hear other owners and you hear them talk, it's like, wow, like everybody's just all in trying to win. I think that John, Steve, the whole Ravens organization embraces the urgency of every day you have to try and get better. Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. Clifton Brown is back in the lounge, continues to fill in for Ryan Mink twice this week. Had you once with Patrick Ricard. That episode dropped yesterday. You are now back from sunny Florida. Yes. You were living the good life the past few days. <laughs> I was getting a taste of the good life. <laughs> you know, not the whole course, but, you know, dessert here and there, uh-huh. appetizer. You know, yeah, was not staying at the Breakers. Okay, okay. But uh, was at the Breakers most of the day. The weather was beautiful. What a gorgeous property it is. Uh, yeah, and really, it was. it's funny how you get on a plane. It's like you get off, you feel like you're on a different planet. Yeah. I mean, temperature went up 45 degrees. Mm. Uh, I'm hanging in a hotel where I probably couldn't afford a cup of coffee. <laughs> Talking to you know owners, uh, it's it was it was an interesting couple of days. So it goes without saying that you're just absolutely thrilled to be back here sitting with me. This is obviously the highlight of your week, right? Gee, I love you, man. But <laughs> we could still be doing this in Florida. It would be cool with me. Yeah, you know that's what I'm true. Saying? We should have. I should have hopped on the plane with you. Exactly. And done this, done this podcast by the beach. We did it backwards. Too. Maybe next year. Okay. Well, you uh, had a chance to sit down with Ravens owner Steve Bashada. You were one of a few select reporters. Uh, who had a chance to do so, which, um, you know, he hadn't talked in a few years with the local media. Um, and this was a chance to talk with him, get his perspective on the team, where the team stands, some big picture stuff, some, you know, more detail oriented things about this offseason and what the Ravens have done and, and all of that. So, you know, we wanted to get on the pod today to kind of react to some of these things, uh, share our thoughts uh, about that conversation. And obviously, you're the man who was right there having, having the conversation. So from you, you know, what stood out to you after you spent you know, over an hour with the owner this week. Well, it's always interesting talking to Steve. I think you know, he started off early in the conversation confirming that John Harbaugh signed a three-year extension, which obviously was the big news of the day. Certainly one surprise. There had already been reports out there that they, you know, had either agreed or were close to some. But just to have him hear him talk about the fact that, you know, John is still here and the way he described their relationship his admiration for John, which I also feel is is one of John's many strengths as a head coach, is that he is so evolving. He is not the same coach. He has these core philosophies that never change, but a really, I feel, intuitive way of knowing things that he wants to do differently. He's always looking for a way to win games. And even before the press conference, it was funny, uh, before I met with Steve, I saw John in the hallway and the decision to tweak the overtime rules mm-hmm. had just come out. And so I asked him about, will this change, would this change your strategy now? If you were in an overtime game, if you get the kickoff and you guys go down and score, what do you think about going for two? Right. You kick? And he, he answered a little, then he's like, you know what? I'm going to get back to you. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. You know, yeah. He's always thinking about those type of things. So, 
Yeah, I mean, to hear Steve talk about that was interesting, and then all the other things he talked about too. Yeah, I thought I think it's a great point, and and what stood out to me in talking about the Harbaugh extension, which to your point, like it wasn't a surprise that there was an extension in place because there have been reports of that, and mm-hmm. also he was going into the last year of his contract, and and for a coach that you want, you don't typically go into a lame duck year, and that's what Steve said. Right. He, he had no interest in him being a lame duck coach, you know, in a in a prove it year or anything like that for right. a coach. So, but but what, what stood out to me about what he said is is that he's that you know John has grown and grown and grown, and I don't just feel like I'm signing up the same guy. Exactly. And I just think that you know I, I referenced this in a Final Driver earlier this week. It's kind of like the old Bo Beckler quote that that Harbaugh has said many times: "You're getting better, you're getting worse, you're never staying the same." Mm-hmm. And he is always looking for ways to tweak what they do, mm-hmm. and. That can be everything. So this offseason, they're looking at the injuries. Of like course. what 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 wrong with the injury situation? And they're 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 looking through everything with a fine-tooth comb to determine what happened, what went wrong, and how can we avoid that in the future. Right. That, that is and the other thing too, and I don't know, this may just be me, but like I I have felt since Lamar arrived here, like like Lamar, uh, that that John has had just like this this enthusiasm about the team. I and agree. and I feel like there's like, a, like we see that, that Lamar has that effect on so many people, mm-hmm. but I even feel like he's got that on the coaching staff. I do. I mean, yeah, that energy, Lamar is such a unique player in person. Yes, I agree with you. I think he energizes those around him. And I think that that has happened with John too. Not that he needed to be energized, sure. but you don't get to coach. You don't necessarily get to coach a player like Lamar in your career. Uh, when you get a player like that, yeah, it raises everyone's antenna. And, you know, I've been around long enough to see that happen in other sports with other people. You know, when a guy, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember even the Pistons were a pretty good t- team when they drafted Dennis Rodman. And they didn't know exactly what they had until he got there. And then it was like, whoa, like, <laughs> <laughs> like this guy, you know, he's different. Yeah. Uh, Lamar is like that. I mean, let's face it. If everybody, there's no way he'd be the 32, number 32 pick now in the draft. If we had to redo. So nobody knew how, you know, dynamic he was going to be this quickly in his career. But once you get around him, you start understanding it. And yes, I feel that has energized John in some ways. Yeah. And I, and I just think that like, you know, Lamar is, you know, when he took over the starting quarterback, what was he, 23 years old? Like, he's got, like, a youthful energy and excitement mm-hmm. to his game, mm-hmm. which is just goes back to that, like, infectious thing about being mm-hmm. around him. And, and, like, you just feel that. And I just I, – I do think that enthusiasm carries. And I think that, like, as a coach, like, I, you know, I think that something that, you know, John's been asked about before is, you know, do you change up your message because your message can get stale, right? right? And I think that, like, sometimes whenever there's coaching changes, you hear that that narrative, like, well, it was time to make a change. The message had grown, grown stale. Mm-hmm. And and I think whenever John's been asked about, like, the message and, and keeping it fresh, like, I always thought his answer on that has is, is been insightful because he's made the point that, like, look, it's new guys every year. So, you know, like, you don't tell the same exact stories. You mix you up the stories a little bit. And also, like... You know, you do have like your core philosophies of who you are as a team and who you are as a coach, but like you also do adapt and mm-hmm. like you know, you're the the type of like players are different to some degree than they were when he started in 2008. The culture of the team is different mm-hmm. when he came in 2008. You've got these entrenched veteran defensive leaders like 
Ray and Ed and Suggs and Haloti. And it's just different. And so like your approach has to be different. And he has, he's, he, his ability to evolve like that is, I think says a lot about him. It does. And Steve mentioned, yes, you, Steve mentioned yesterday about the practice when both mm. Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards got hurt. And it was almost like Marcus Peters hadn't even gotten off the cart going back to the training room. And then Gus Edwards is down. Just that one day of practice kind of almost changed the trajectory of the season and football to me, more than any sport, things change so much from year to year between the injuries, free agency, scheduling. It just, even though you were really good last year, it doesn't mean you're going to be really good next year and vice versa. So yeah, I think that John, Steve, the whole Ravens organization embraces the urgency of every day you have to try and get better because that's how competitive it is. Look, if you gave most teams in the NFL 20 extra points after the season's over, they could allocate those points <laughs> anywhere they wanted. That makes a huge difference your whole season. It's that close of a, a competitive thing. And so that's another thing about being around those guys for two or three days, not just the Ravens, but other organizations. All these coaches are competitive. All these owners are competitive. You know, we sometimes, I think, get insulated just being around the Ravens every day, not always seeing the big picture. But when you start being around other coaches and hear them talk, and then you hear other owners and you hear them talk, it's like, wow, like everybody's just all in trying to win. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so hard. Yeah, I thought, you know, as we kind of run through some of the big talking points from the conversation that, that you and some of the other reporters have with Steve, you know, he was asked about his assessment of the season and, and how you view it. And, you know, I think he, his, his reflection on it is what a lot of us felt, which is when the team was sitting there at first place in the conference, there was a little bit of like, I can't believe that they have this record at this point when you consider the way that they've won some of these games. And how many guys were injured? And already. how many guys were injured? Of course, of course that, you know, and you're like, wow, you're eight and three and, you know, you're sitting in first place in the AFC and you're, you're, kicking 66-yard field goals and you're coming back on Monday Night Football against the Colts and you're just having these crazy games. And I think that, like, then, and then, you know, obviously the way the season ended with, with the, you know, the six straight losses to end it, like, of course it's disappointing, but you lose your left tackle, you lose your top two running backs, you know, your best blocking tight end, Boyle, misses a good portion of the season when he returns isn't himself. You, you know, make sure you lose Marcus Peters, you lose Marlon Humphrey, just on down the line. And yeah. I could keep going here. Yeah, you mentioned Lamar. With all those. Of course, yeah. The Lamar, <laughs> this is the last month of the season. Right. And it's like, what team could overcome that? And you, like, it's not an excuse, it's just a reality. And, like, you, you have to take that into account when you're evaluating the performance of that season. Absolutely. So um, I thought that was interesting. You know, it, Another thing he got asked about was, you know, basically, do you still enjoy being an owner? Mm -hmm. Like, and he was clear, I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. He was. And yes, I mean, I thought it was great too when he described the stress that you, that he feels. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of us. I mean, he's, he's a fan, uh, a huge fan of the Ravens, you know, like so many on Sunday, you know, feeling like they're living and dying with the result 
of the games. And last year was such such an excruciating season because it seemed like every game was coming down the last four or five minutes. So yeah, that he said is the toughest part of the job. You know that the other I thought it was interesting the way he's got the other eight months when the season's not in. He really enjoys, you know, the team building, planning for the draft, managing salary, those business things that he's great at, which is one of the reasons he's been so successful. He gets he gets love loves the energy of doing that. But like so many people who watch games, you feel like you're not in control of what happens on the field on Sunday. I mean, he's just up there with so much invested in it emotionally and every other kind of way watching what happens. And, yeah, I also thought it was interesting the relationship that he's formed now with, you know, so many of you, Ozzy, Eric, John, when he was asked about, you know, John's going for two points occasion and being worried about the criticism that John was going to take if it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool that, you know, your boss would be thinking in those terms that, you know, if this doesn't work out, this guy's going to get crushed criticize and I don't want that to happen to him yeah that's pretty cool I mean it was more than just I hope we win the game of course you hope it works but I do feel that you know over the years they've gained so much respect for each other that yeah they're they're in this together and they don't want to see things not work out not only because you know it's, it's great for the Ravens if they win but yeah it's on a personal note it's really tough for them when they lose and the season doesn't go the way that they want it to go. Yeah, I think that like the passion that he has for this team is really evident when he talks about the stresses of the season mm-hmm. and the ups and downs and just how much you can feel kind of when things don't go well and you and you have a loss or you lose, you know, it's like that that is kind of painful as for him as an owner. Right. But on the flip side, like he made the point to you guys there's nothing better after a game right. than a win. That's right. And like that is a feeling, and I think that's, you know, probably why you buy buy an NFL team is like you have an experience and you're part of something that you can't get anywhere else. Right. And you know, I think it's just awesome even for him at, at the ownership level, like he feels that. I mean, how many Ravens fans on a Monday morning, you know, after <laughs> after the Chiefs game, like Ravens fans were floating to work yes. that day. Like you're just, you can't watch enough highlights. You you can't read enough articles. Yep. You can't listen to enough podcasts. Like you are just on cloud nine mm-hmm. after that game. And you know, that's as a fan where you just like the team and support the team. Multiply that by whatever, a billion, <laughs> a, a few billion <laughs> as, as the owner of the team. Right. And like he feels that. And I just think that was kind of uh Really cool insight into just the passion that he has as the owner. Right. I mean, yeah, you mentioned that Chiefs game. You know, a rookie like Adafi Owe makes that game-winning play. And, yeah, you have to be thinking about, you know, the draft and, you know, evaluating a player like that. And then people doubting whether it was the right pick because, you know, he had no sacks as last year in college. And just, the yeah, the satisfaction of – seeing a young player come in and have success and that you guys believed in him and he's made, he's validating that belief. And yeah, it's like you said, it's personal for them because they spend, this is what they do. You know, their job is, is seen by 
so many people. You know, our jobs, we have a good day or bad day. You know, <laughs> hopefully, you know, not many people know except us, but not for them. It's all in the public eye. For sure. So another big topic that he discussed was, of course, Lamar Jackson's contract. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that. Also, I want fans to know that the sports landscape is ever-changing, and this week is no different. Different. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, and it still has daily fantasy contests running for those who are looking to have some skin in the game. So that's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. You can assemble a lineup of players. You stay under the salary cap, and then you sit back and you watch your points pile up. So what you need to do is you can sign up today using the code FLOCK. Again, this is on DraftKings. New users will get a free entry with your first deposit. The code is FLOCK, and you can sign up today at DraftKings. So go ahead and get that done. Uh, obviously, a big conversation uh was Lamar's contract. Whenever anybody talks this offseason, it's Lamar's contract. And, uh, you know, since Steve talked, also Lamar has tweeted about it because, you know, just to kind of go full circle here, that, you know, people, since Lamar hasn't signed a new contract, that's led to speculation. Does he not want to be there? Does he want to go somewhere else? Is that is that what the motivation is? Because everyone's trying to figure out what his motivation is. Everyone, what's the reason? So some people have speculated that. Even though Lamar has said, I love the Ravens and I want to be there. And the Ravens have said, we love Lamar. We want him as our quarterback long term. So, you know, that speculation starts. And Lamar put an end to that real mm-hmm. quick uh, earlier today when he tweeted, and I'm pulling it up. I love my Ravens. I don't know who the hell is putting that false narrative out that I'm having thoughts about leaving. Stop trying to read my mind. Good for Pretty him. clear, right? Yeah. Good for him was my first reaction to that. Like, yeah, I can speak for myself. Just because I choose not to, you know, as much as you would like me to, and because I may not be going about things the way you think I should, I mean, yeah, that's that's none none of you. Don't assume what I'm thinking when you don't know. And yeah, I mean, Lamar rarely, to me, responds to stuff like he rarely talks about his contract. Only talks about it when he's asked, which is his right. Uh, whatever he is planning in his future, it's his right. To go about it however he wants to. It's his right not to have an agent if he doesn't want to. It's his right to sign a contract now or not. And yeah, his feelings about the Ravens to me have never been, have never wavered. Mm-hmm. I mean, the night he gets drafted, he's talking about winning the Super Bowl. He, I feel, has always had an allegiance to the Ravens because they were the team that, that took him. Yeah. You know, and a lot of teams passed on him. And Lamar's been, he's been making believers his whole life. And he's not afraid to, quote, unquote, bet on himself. He's always had to. You know, there was nobody else betting on him till he had already proven what he could do. And think about, you know, let's talk about what he hasn't done. He is now a guy who's won a Heisman at Louisville. Yep been a unanimous NFL MVP in his first full year as a starter. And still, usually when you read about Lamar, maybe not usually, but so often, it's like, what hasn't he done? What does he have to prove? Why is he doing this? I guess it's one, I guess he got tired of it. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, to me, I don't usually see tweets like that from Lamar. And that was very specific. Yeah. That wasn't vague. So (laughs) good for him. Yeah. So, you know, Steve made the point in the conversation that, 
you know, it's a unique approach, right. which of course that's the case. Like it is unique. And I think a lot of people on the outside try to figure that out because you're like, well, wait, if I had a chance to sign a $200 million contract, I'm signing that yesterday. Right. And so, but, but Lamar lo looks at things differently and like he has his reasons, whatever they are for going about it in this way. And he's not going to, he's not going to take the approach that I may take, or you may take just because you say, Oh, well, that you, you should do that. Like he has his approach and he's going with that. And, you know, I think that it's clear that the Ravens have, the Ravens have said it every time this comes up. Like we want Lamar to be our quarterback for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. And as Steve said, it's a unique approach. Of course, that's the case, but everything about it is unique. You know, he's operating as his own agent. Mm -hmm. Like it's different mm -hmm. than, than a lot of negotiations, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that. No. And when you're unique, when you're people say they want you to be candid, but often when you are, then they criticize you. <laughs> you know, people say, yeah, they want you to be yourself, but then you do something differently than how they would do it. Now, why are you doing it like that? We've yeah. always see you can't. Yeah. I was, I was reading an article about Charles Barkley recently. Yeah. He's like, yeah, people, you know, they say they want you to be honest, but it makes them uncomfortable. And, and that was kind of, I think, Steve's point when he said, you know, with someone who's unique, you don't, you don't push them to, to, to be conform, conformist. Right. It's like, no, what, what, makes, what makes Lamar so great, I think, on and off the field is that uniqueness. And so, like, he, he has this ability on the field that nobody else has. He plays the game differently, and it is fun to watch. It and we is. all have had, like, moments these last few years where you're like, man, <laughs> I haven't seen that on a football field. Ever. It's just different. Right, right. And like that is what makes him so electrifying. Also, he the way he operates off the field is unique. Mm -hmm. And I think his teammates feel that. Like he he carries himself in a different way. And his he has a tremendous amount of respect in that locker room. He treats everyone with respect. Yes. We've talked about that on the podcast before. And that is, I think, part of what his like story is. And um, again, I, I think that's a great point. You know, someone who's unique like that, you don't necessarily push them to conform. No. And uh, it's a great point. A um, couple other notes, you know, in terms of the offseason, and Steve talked about how he loves the draft and he gets into it and he loves the trade charts. And he talks about that every year. And, and John and Eric will talk about how when Steve's in the room, he's talking about the possibility of trading back and he's got the chart and he can kind of figure out what you would get for all these different things. So, what was your perspective on, on what he shared about his his thoughts on the draft and the, the needs that the Ravens could address through the draft? Yeah, well, some of it's obvious. Well, I thought it was interesting he was talking specifically, you know, about pass rushers and corners. He sees that as, as a way that the Ravens could go, which is not a secret, but, you know, that's what he thinks. Also, you know, the fact that the Ravens aren't at number 14 very often. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to be there, but since they are, this is an opportunity for them to capitalize not only with that pick, but having so many picks in this draft and this draft being so deep, they could really get a lot of good players in this draft. You know, if the ball for board falls the right way, they certainly have maneuverability. And also I thought it was an interesting point. He talked about, you know, with COVID, a lot of guys sitting out, you know, in 2020, that that's one of the things that making this draft even deeper because a lot of guys came back, you know, stayed in and played that extra year. And now they're part of this draft class at all as well. So it's a deep draft. Um, they have a lot of picks and they're picking 14th. So for someone who loves a draft like Steve, 
he's really salivating. I got the I get the feeling that he's really salivating about this draft. He does every year, but this one in particular, picking number fourteen and having so many picks, he's going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like I think all you know, Ravens fans certainly love drafts weekend, and I think that like when you look at this draft, you're like, all right, you have the opportunity to get some some impact players early. So at 14, you know, you, you might get a player who's a top 10 player on your board. Easy. And okay. So let's say you get a corner, you know, mm-hmm. Derek Stingley, you know, if you were to go that direction, right. McDuffie, McDuffie right. you know, one of those guys right. like, okay, now you got a, a dynamic corner who might be the best corner on your board or the second best corner on your board. Right. Get him at 14. That's pretty darn exciting. Everyone likes what we saw from Odafe Owe last year, and you got him late in the first round. Right. So if you go the pass rusher route, you might be able to get somebody to put alongside him, and you could have a pretty feared tandem here for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty darn exciting. Yeah. And then you know when you look at the rest of the you know the first the first round, second round, third round, like you can get some impact potential day one starters there, and rejuvenate this team along with. What we talked about earlier, which is J.K. Dobbins and Gus mm-hmm. Edwards and Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, like mm-hmm. Marcus Williams, Morgan Moses, like uh, you're really adding some some high quality pieces to this team from healthy players getting back on the field, from the new additions, and then through this draft. So I get the sense that like he's got high expectations for this team. Yeah, and both he, Steve Bichotti, and Coach Harbaugh down there in Florida talked about, you know, Marcus Williams as being a guy that, you know, they weren't necessarily thinking they were going to get him when free agency started. Like they just, you know, he's a guy that they knew was going to be coveted. He'd had, he could go elsewhere if he wanted. And it wasn't like, Oh, this is, you know, I think we got a good shot. But when it became apparent, they were aggressive that they had a chance and he's a unique player, like safeties like that, who are that versatile, aren't all over the place. Mm-hmm. So getting him and then getting Moses, you know, and then also, yeah, bringing back Pierce. So they address some areas already, which you always want to do, as Eric and other GMs talk about, that, yeah, after free agency, you want to be able to have even more flexibility to go the way you want in the draft, to pick the best player rather than having, oh, we, I have all these needs, I got to address at least a couple of them. The Ravens can do what they really feel. I feel whoever the best player is, particularly that number ten, number fourteen spot. You know, somebody's going to take a couple of quarterbacks before they pick, and the Ravens aren't looking for a quarterback. I certainly hope so. <laughs> right. So, I certainly yeah. hope so. And the more that happens, you know, the better it is for them. That just knocks somebody else down to them for sure, for sure. And then the last thing, and we'll close up here on this. You know, he talked a lot about Dick Cass uh, mm-hmm. and the transition at, at president with Sashi Brown taking over. And you know, we had a chance if you haven't listened to it um, to have Sashi on the podcast and talk with him about you know his approach and philosophy. So, for, so listeners, if you haven't done so, go back and check that one out. Um, but but you know, Dick has been such a, a steady hand and a great leader. And it was you know hearing Steve talk about him. You know, it's clear the amount of respect that he has for Dick, and and I can tell you here from being in the building, that's shared by everybody. Absolutely, I mean, everybody in this building has a tremendous amount of respect for Dick and the way he carries himself, and the and the tone that he said, and the steady leadership, and all those things. And it's it's just been, you know, I think 
the the Ravens have been privileged, obviously, to have him. And this is this is the last week. He's you know he's a, he's retiring uh, April first. You know, right. so that I guess the the passing of the torch takes place official, right? Officially, um, and uh, it, it just was you know Steve echoed a lot of basically what people who work in this building have said, right. you know, about how great Dick has been. And um, what was your takeaway from that? Yeah, we you know we've used the word unique a lot in this podcast. I think a Dick Cass definitely would say he's a unique person. Uh, Steve had a great line yesterday talking about, like, I don't think he's ever made an enemy. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought about it. I'm like, you know what? He's probably right. And in this business, working 14 for 18 years, and everyone respects you, that's quite a legacy to leave behind. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm – Definitely going to miss him being around because he's another person who very approachable, always makes you feel like he's talking to you and you alone when you talk to him. And yeah, I just, you know, I wish him all the best. But yeah, Sashi, it was interesting. I think Steve, I didn't think he said he sees similarities Mm -hmm. between Sashi and Dick. They have different personalities, just like Ozzy and Eric, you know, different personalities. But a lot of similarities. So, yes, I mean, Sashi, you can see why he was the choice to replace Dick. But Dick is an irreplaceable person. You know, Sashi's going to make his own legacy. But Dick Cass's legacy is going to is going to live on. It's solid. It's already it's already made for sure. For sure. You know, well, the biggest news to wrap things up, Cliff, you know, you talk about legacy. Coach K's legacy could be finalized this weekend. Mm -hmm. Right. You. In the Ravens bracket, okay, you have a chance to win, win it all, okay. That would be quite the legacy, all right. So, you, what you need Villanova to win it all, and then you win. Well, I need, I, I definitely win if Villanova beats Kansas, okay. Duke beats Carolina, okay, and then Villanova meets Duke. All right. Yeah, I control. They control my destiny. <laughs> now. Other stuff you're happens. You're in the driver's seat. You're, you're at right first now, place right. in, in the rankings. Right. I feel we should end the pool now. <laughs> like, you know, let's just enjoy the final four. The pool is over. I'm the winner. But yeah. seems like other people didn't go along with that. So, yeah, I'm pulling hard for Coach K Saturday. Jay Wright, that's my guy, man. Yeah. So that's that's no problem for him with Villanova. So, yeah, hopefully it'll work out for me. All right. Well, good luck. Good luck. And, Cliff, we're glad to have you back. I'm sure you would have liked to spend a few more days down there in sunny Florida, but it's good to have you back. Thanks for filling in, and uh, great stuff on the uh, conversation with Steve this week. Anytime, Garrett. Always a pleasure. Listeners, thank you so much. Uh, Hopefully, Mink will be back if he ever returns to the office. I think he should be back next week. So uh, we'll have more with Mink when he returns. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again soon.